Welcome into Me Me the Movies. I am Thomas Manning in place for Noel Manning today. Unfortunately, he couldn't be here as he's dealing with a bout of vertigo. Uh, not to be confused with the Alfred Hitchcock film Vertigo. Uh, just, just plain vertigo, the medical condition. But uh, hopefully he'll be back here in the studio next week sometime. But for today, I'm sitting in. And uh, we also have a very special guest making his Me Me the Movies debut. We have Austin Buzzard, or also known as Buzz. How are you today? Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm uh, truly spectacular. It's a true honor to be here today. Thank oh, you so much for having me. Most definitely. We've been wanting to get you on the show for quite some time. Uh, recently, it's been a bit of a logistical challenge considering you were out in the Pacific Ocean for uh, about eight months or so. Yeah, yeah about eight and a half months. Yeah, just playing games on the boat in the ocean. I'm working for Carnival Cruise Line. Woohoo! Shout out Carnival Cruise Line. There we go. And, Total uh, plug. We're not sponsored by them or anything, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're that, working, I'm working you know, on it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we are or not, yeah, but uh, we are very excited to have Buzz here in studio and uh, you know we're just kind of rolling with it. We have no idea how today is going to go. Um, dealing with my, note, my notes on my phone today because we had a Wi-Fi issue at home, couldn't print out my notes, but uh, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a Gen Zer, I believe, and I tend to have a phone in my hand. <laughs> there so you go, all the time. That's, that's how we're rolling today. Uh, but I got a chance to check out a screening of a new movie last night. I invited Buzz to the screening, but he turned me down for whatever reason. Slightly uh, declined, yeah. But, but Noel was there, and uh, we had a great time watching this film. We were talking about Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. This is a sequel follow-up to the 2019 film Knives Out, uh, written and directed by Ryan Johnson. That was a very, uh, very successful film, critically and financially. It was nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars and uh, made $310 million worldwide on a budget of $40 million. Not bad, uh, not so bad. That has, uh, that in itself kind of kicked off a franchise here. Netflix has acquired the rights to this film and also a third Knives Out film. Uh, they signed a deal with Ryan Johnson basically for $450 million. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we got, this is the uh, first follow-up. And uh, you, you saw the 2019 film, right? Yeah, 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 I saw the yeah. first one. Yeah. So what yeah. did you think of it? It was awesome. It was great. Super good mystery. Like, you definitely didn't know what was, like, what was going on, who was doing what. And then, like, you fig like you know, obviously, I didn't figure it out. I just observed. And it was great. I loved it. It was, right. it was awesome. It was, like, a big change of pace from what I usually watch. So... Right, and so here in this follow-up, uh, we have an entirely new cast aside from Daniel Craig as Detective Benoit Blanc, who is uh, essentially the world's greatest detective. He's not like Batman, he's not a vigilante, he's, ah. just, he's just a really fun, quirky guy who's very intelligent and can, uh, you know, see details in the smallest of places, things, places you would never expect. Um, but around him, we have uh, an entirely new cast of characters. And, uh, you know, you have Edward Norton as this billionaire tech bro genius who's kind of like all the worst parts of Elon Musk, Tony Stark, and Steve Jobs. Um, Good combo and, there. Good combo. And Mark Zuckerberg in there as well. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you realize there's... Um, he, what he has on the surface, you know, he seems to have it all. He's got this own private island, and he's got this you know, huge empire, this huge tech empire. But uh, you quickly 
come to realize that uh, not everything is as it seems with his character. Uh, but he invites uh, an old group of friends to his island for his own private island for a quote-unquote murder mystery party. Mm. And uh, it's, it's a fake murder, of course, or that's how it's intended to be right off the bat. Uh, but as things seem to go in these films, um, there's, there's, it's never quite as fake as you would expect it yeah, to be. Yeah, it doesn't go yeah. quite exactly as it would seem. And so, you know, the cast we're working with around here, uh, we have Kate Hudson's character, who's basically a fashionista icon. Uh, and then you have Dave Batista, who is a Twitch streamer in the <laughs> in the gaming industry. I know you're a bit of a Twitch guy yourself, Buzz. Uh, not too much. I mainly watch things on YouTube because I'm too lazy to turn in at the exact time. But that's that's incredible. Dave Batista is a, is a yeah. gamer. Perfect. Yeah. So he's Perfect. a he's a big time gamer. He carries a loaded gun with him at all times. Uh, <laughs> Naturally. And uh, he lives with his mother still uh, and records his uh, Twitch streams to his millions of followers in a closet, essentially. Sounds like what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, was, I mean, while I was watching Dave Batista, I was like, that's, that's basically what's right yeah. there. We, we, get, we look alike. It's the physique that does it. Other characters we have, we have <laughs> Catherine Hahn. Uh, she is a politician. She's a senator working on a uh, you know, very, uh, very expensive campaign. And uh, then we also have uh, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character as well, who's basically a rocket scientist. And so all these people, you might notice they have something in common, and uh, they all have lifestyles that require a great deal of money. Um, and so that's where Edward Norton's character comes in, and that's where that connection lies. Um, basically, he funds all of their professions and all their lifestyles. Uh, but, um, you know, as, as it goes in those relationships that are built around money, is not the most genuine, it's not the most friendly relationship. <laughs> yeah. They're usually just reliant on each other to, um, it's usually just kind of a power cycle there. Yeah. And so you add all that volatility together, bring people together on an island for a you know, fake murder mystery, things are gonna go awry. Things are not gonna go as, uh, you know, as this tech billionaire would have hoped or as anybody on the island would have hoped. Anyway, I had just a big, stupid grin on my face the whole time I was watching this. It is uh, right as the credits roll. It's like two hours and ten minutes long. But I honestly felt like it was a 90-minute movie just because it was so tightly constructed. The pacing was, uh, you know, the pacing I couldn't have uh, couldn't have asked for better editing, um, more more brilliant, um, tightly constructed script. Um, Ryan Johnson is a great writer and director. He started out with this kind of whodunit mystery genre back in 2005 with the film Brick with very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And uh, here we are nearly 20 years later and he's found a way to kind of keep that through line of the whodunit hijinks in his filmography. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm wearing the Star Wars The Last Jedi hoodie today. I didn't even think about this, but you know, Ryan Johnson did direct that as Let's well. Uh, that was a bit of a controversial um, you know, controversial statement in the Star Wars universe, but I myself was a big fan of that movie. And uh, I think I think you were a fan of Last Jedi as well. Absolutely, it was marvelous. It was fantastic. I loved it. So you've seen, you've, I know you've seen Knives Out. I know you've seen The Last Jedi. Have you seen any other Ryan Johnson films? Not that I know of. Like nothing that I was like, oh, that's Ryan Johnson. I don't, I don't think I've seen anything else. You've seen Looper with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis? No, I haven't. I, I want to, but it, I haven't seen it. Highly recommend that. Uh, I think there, uh, if you could. You know, there are many common threads across Ryan Johnson's filmography 
uh, that, you know, on the surface you might not recognize him, but if you go back and study all of his movies, uh, thematically there is a, you know, kind of commonality and a common link between them. So There you go. Absolutely. Perfect. Uh, main standout in this cast for me was Janelle Monet, and if you go back to uh, Knives Out in 2019, Anna de Armas was the character that a lot of people connected with, and uh, she was the most, um, you know, her arc was the most complete in that film, and a parallel to be made here with Janelle Monet. Her character arc is unbelievably fascinating, and um, the way that you have you have an unexpected twist in the first Knives Out, but it's not your typical whodunit twist. It is um, it's a very subversive twist, and you have a very similar thing happen in Glass Onion. Uh, very subversive twist with the character of Janelle Monae, just we had just as we had a similar twist with Anna de Armas' character in the first one. Um, so. You know, that once again goes back to thematically what Ryan Johnson is able to draw between each of his mysteries. And, um, you know, this, this is a film that makes incredible use of setups and payoffs. Yeah. Whether those setups are comedic or dramatic or in terms of tension and suspense, there can be a throwaway one liner that you think, okay, that's, that's pretty good for a chuckle. But then it's going to come back 90 minutes later and you're going to be <laughs> like, I can't believe they found a way to pay off Jeremy Renner's hot sauce collection. <laughs> I can't believe they found a way to pay off Jared Leto's uh, com kombucha, uh, kombucha, that's, that's what it's called, uh, special drink. That's like a little drink, yeah? Correct, correct. We, yeah, as we, as we all know, we, are, we know a lot about kombucha here. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, big, big connoisseur, if you will, of kombucha. Uh, yeah, that's the word I was gonna use to describe it. <laughs> Um, and, you know, the visual language of these films, he, uh, Ryan Johnson worked with the cinematographer Steve Yedlin, I believe he's been the cinematographer on all of his films, all of his six films, and uh, just what he is able to establish in terms of lighting and framing and uh, making use of very uh, visually striking environments. Uh, the production design of the first film took place in this basically mansion in Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, this one takes place on this incredible private island yeah. uh, with this massive glass onion at the center of it. The, the glass onion is a structure, is a okay. incredible structure. It's a so building. So not just completely random. Let's just no, throw it makes it sense. In. It makes sense. It does. Yeah. There you uh, go. Also, there's a Beatles song called Glass Onion that plays over the credits of the movie as well. Convenient. Yeah, very convenient. <laughs> and so, um, just, you know, visually, it's beautiful to look at. And uh, the production designers, costume designers, and art directors, uh, the way that Ryan is able to work with his entire crew to establish consistency between, uh, between films in this universe, um, visually and narratively, but also he makes each one, each film unique in its own right. Um, you don't feel like you're watching this and you're watching the exact same movie that you watched a few years ago. That's good. Um, there are certain elements he adds at different points that, you know, they kind of run parallel to what he did with the first Knives Out, but it is the, the fashion in which they're introduced um, definitely leaves you um, thinking, okay, this is something I haven't seen before, and uh, I'm really, I really have no idea where the story's going to go from here. So. Perfect. That sounds, yeah. sounds like a great mystery. Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, this film is going to be released theatrically for one week uh, in AMC theaters. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that is beginning November 23rd, so basically the week of Thanksgiving. Okay. And uh, this is like the first time that there's been this deal between Netflix and AMC theaters to release one of their films exclusively in theaters for a week. Uh, and then 
uh, Knives Out Glass Onion is hitting Netflix streaming uh, December 23rd. So you'll be able to watch it from your home, uh, watch it with your family. I do think it's a great movie to watch with your family around the holidays. Um, of course, family, when I say family, I mean like teenagers and older. Yeah, there, there's, uh, you know, murders take place. Uh, there's violence. There's uh, so a lot of innuendo in there. So uh, I just, I'm not saying watch this with your seven-year-old child. I mean, like if you're, you know, 13, 14, 15, want to watch with your family, go for it. So there you go. Yeah, so what are you looking forward to most with uh, Knives Out Glass Onion based on what I've said? Dude, I, I really like the first one. The first one was super good. Um, and like the same thing, just like this, because each character is so different and like like quirky, like especially like the way you were describing them sounds like they're all off the wall, super bizarre. And just to see how they all like come together and how they all, I'm sure the interactions are just tasteful. Oh yeah. If you will. And then just trying to figure out what happened. And then you, you think somebody says something and you think it means this, but then whew, doesn't mean anything out of like that at all. And it's just perfect. So I'm excited. I'm going to enjoy it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like this uh, this franchise gives each actor an opportunity to do something that they haven't done in a long time. Yeah. Chris Evans got to play just this terrible person in the first <laughs> yeah. film. Yeah. Just this absolute jerk coming off of playing Captain America, you know, America's yeah. Wonder Boy for 10 years. Um, and his great age is <laughs> jerk. And in this movie, uh, you know, I think Kate Hudson gets to do something similar to what Tony Collette did in the first Knives Out and just have a ball playing this very annoying and kind of abrasive character, but just have so much fun with it. Yeah. So, I, yeah, just Ryan Johnson working with his actors. I think he's truly an actor's director. Um, and for Glass Onion, I'm going to give a solid A. Uh, the mo one of the most fun times I've had at the theater in a long time. And uh, if Noel was here, I'm pretty sure he would give it an A as well and agree with me. Uh, but... Yeah, so Buzz, I know you're looking forward to checking that out. Absolutely, and, yeah. And on the other side of that break, we're going to look forward to talking to you more about your history as a film fan uh, and a connoisseur of cinema. And uh, But we really appreciate you tuning in for Meet Me in the Movies on uh, my first time hosting solo uh, with, with Buzz here. And we will see you right at the break. COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective. Millions of doses have already been given in the United States, and these vaccines have the most intensive safety monitoring in U.S. history. If you have questions, get answers from a reliable source. 
cdc.gov. Killing people dying, children hurt and you hear them crying. Can you practice what you preach? And would you turn the other cheek? How are you doing, Dave Mel? Help us and some guidance from above. These people got me, got me questioning. Where is the love? Where is the love? Where is the Hi and welcome back into Meet Me in the Movies. I am Noel Thomas Manning III, also known as Thomas Manning around these parts. Filling in for Noel Manning in his absence, uh, dealing with uh, who knows what kind of illness, uh, his multiple ailments, ailments he's had over the years and uh, over the past week in particular. But uh, he'll be back. Yeah, there's the world's tiniest violin that uh, Greg Tillman is playing for our, uh, for our hero, Noel Manning. <laughs> He'll be back soon, but as I mentioned and teased before the break, I am joined by Alston Buzz Buzzard, and uh, we are very excited to Hello. welcome in for his Meet Me the Movies debut. We talk about his uh, his background and his history yeah. as, uh, as a cinephile. Is oh, there right? we go. That's the one word I would use to describe. Yes, a cinephile. There we go. Proper and professional. And usually on these shows, when we if we have a thirty minute segment with a guest, we talk about you know five films to know me. But considering we spent the first half of the show talking about Glass Onion, we're just going to spend the second half of the uh, show talking to you. So we don't have time for five films to know you, but I do think we have time for three films to know you. All right, I'll, so, I'll allow it. Yeah, I'll allow it. Yeah. We'll, we'll so, let it slide today. So if we were to ask you, what are three films that kind of have defined who you are as an appreciator of film, you know, and that, have, that you've connected with over the years, uh, what would those three films be and why? Um, so I think I really got to start off with probably... One of, one of the best movies I think I've ever seen in my life would have to be The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. That movie's just awesome. Awesome. So good. Big fan of cowboys, westerns. The score, my goodness. I, dude, I, I have like a whole playlist on Spotify of movie music, and that, that's the one that I listen to the most. Spectacular score. Um, and that was like my first like old movie that I've ever watched, and I was just like blown away of how incredible it was clint eastwood's the man uh just an absolute stud out there um but yeah like it's just like the way to appreciate like, there's like a scene i think it's like literally 10 minutes long where it's just their eyes like you just but it's, it's like so intense like you don't know what's going to happen phenomenal uh you had that movie on laser disc is that right yeah yeah, yeah. somebody got a got a, a copy of it at goodwill thought it was like the record like a, a record disc of, of the score. Like, like a vinyl, yeah, of yeah. the score. But it turned out being it was a laser disc of the whole movie. It's two different laser discs because it's like the three hour movie. <laughs> but yeah, I own a laser disc copy. I don't own a laser disc reader, but I use it as like a decoration in my, in my room. Yeah. So kind of, kind of a big, big time power move. I, yeah, big time power move. I know you're, <laughs> you're a big fan of power moves. Oh, here. absolutely, yeah. 100%. And so has uh, that kind of inspired you to check out other films in the Western genre? Oh, yeah, like whenever I get a chance, like I'll watch like an old Western movie. Um, uh, I haven't seen any with John Wayne yet. I need to because I've heard he's up there with Clint Eastwood. Um, uh, I've seen, uh, one of them was really good was the Rango. It's a, it's a cartoon, but it's an incredibly underrated, like it's a super good Western movie. Uh, Rango is like got Johnny Depp and doing like live action cartoon stuff. 
Yeah, motion, motion capture. Motion, basically. That's the word. Yeah, motion yeah, capture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Rango was uh, directed by Gore Verbinski, who also directed the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Really? I don't know if you made that connection. I didn't or know not, that. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then I, I've watched like I mean, Cool and Luke really isn't like a western, but it, I feel like it has kind of the same vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, same same era generally. Yeah. And, era, and it's kind of like just a, a dude out on his own, doing his own thing. That's a Newman's own, correct? Yeah, yeah. Paul, good old yeah. Paul Newman. Yeah, yes, yeah. really love that movie. Um, but so, Good, the Bad, the Ugly, super good. Um, let's see. I'd have to throw in Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, I think. Okay. I, That's uh, it, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, yes. Yeah. See, it's just like ridiculous humor, just him being an absolute moron. Uh, in the first movie, he's a pet detective in like Miami. But this one, he goes to a local native African village. And it is Jim Carrey being an absolute loon in an African village. It's, oh, wow. wow. Oh, my gosh. It's hilarious. Okay, so describe to me what a pet detective does in their day-to-day life. I'm glad you asked. Yeah. So he is, he is a, <laughs> the first one he's involved in the, like the Miami Police Department, but he has his own category of pet detective. So he's not a regular detective, but helps with pet like kidnappings and antics and whatnot. And the first one, the Miami Dolphins mascot goes missing. Oh, wow. And so he has yeah, that, to find, that's a problem. Yeah, you know, somebody stole a dolphin. So he has to find a, a dolphin. Um, and it's just him finding clues and being a sleuth of pet thievery. So, yeah, that's what I would say a pet detective is. Incredible. It, yeah. Very fascinating. If I watch it, I start acting like him. And it's just not good. So I can't watch it. I can't watch it all the time. I have to, I have to use that sparingly. Yeah, you can't watch that as many times if you've, as you've seen. Another one of your favorite films, I believe, you know, Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. I think that's one that you want to mention. You've seen that Absolutely. however many dozens of times. Dude, I don't know. Because it used to be on Netflix. And so I would literally just watch it in the background. And I got to the point to where, like... <laughs> I like memorized the score to whatever was going on in the movie, so like I would be listening to the score on like my playlist, and then I would be able to under like know exactly who was doing what like during this scene because of this music. It was bad. I've watched it so many times, but incredible movie. Like, I personally, maybe an unpopular opinion, but I think Infinity War, like overall, like movie wise, is better than Endgame. Like Endgame was great. Don't get me wrong, but it paid off. Like all the the, the 10 plus years of Marvel movies, but I think Infinity War alone, as like a movie, I think it was a little bit better. Wow, well, I th- hot takes here. Yeah, on absolutely, me, me, absolutely. Movies. Check yeah. me out, look out. <laughs> and so you, you mentioned, of course, Infinity War and Endgame, so you are a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, going 100%. on 14, almost 15 years now, absolutely. of that franchise. Uh, I guess describe a little bit of your history with your connection to that franchise. See, so I've always loved superheroes. Uh, used to, like video games, like TV shows, movies. Like I, when I was growing up, loved them all. Uh, and then I think I, I don't think I saw Iron Man in theaters. I, I might have. But I don't remember if I did. But I know I definitely saw The Incredible Hulk in theaters. So I was, I was there in the beginning. You know, I I, I saw the beginning. Incredible uh, Hulk with it, Knives Out star Edward Norton. Absolutely. Before he was recast uh, by yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Mark, so. Mark Ruffalo. But yeah, just seeing like where was and like how it's gotten to this point and how like <laughs> being a nerd is now the cool thing <laughs> let's go it's just it's, it's been great to see it go from just like oh like these movies are kind of connected to now just this massive expansive universe of awesomeness it's great i i love it 
I love it. And so I have a feeling that uh, film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to tie in to answer to my next question. Uh, what is your most memorable theatrical experience as far as just sitting in a theater with a big crowd and just something that's always stuck with you since it happened? So it's definitely, God, it's, it's tough. It's probably like going to see Endgame in theaters. It was like opening night and that was just, that was incredible. Everybody there was just excited. Like we were all freaking out. Like with any big moment, the crowd would just go nuts. Um, it was, that was an incredible experience, just being surrounded by everybody who's a big fan. Uh, also, the, the Last Jedi. Oh, no, 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 sorry, The Rise of Skywalker. My right. bad, you got me distracted there with the... Oh, yeah, yeah, Thir yeah. yeah. Freudian slip there, yeah. literally, sorry. Yeah, uh, but the, the Rise of Skywalker, I, didn't, I watched like the first teaser trailer for it, and that's all. So going into it, I didn't know much of what was going on, like what the, the movie was about. So I was just like blown away of everything that was happening. I was, this is incredible. Uh, and like when we went like opening weekend, it was just, everybody was loving it. It was great. I, so those are probably the top two. Just big time nerd movies and big fans. It was great. It was great. You can't, you can't beat an experience like that, I'd say. It's yeah. tough to beat. Yeah, I think you had a lightsaber with you dressed as a Jedi in the theater maybe. Uh. I, I don't know if I dressed as one, but I definitely brought my lightsaber. Yeah, I definitely yeah. just like, yes! I definitely, I definitely did. So you're, sure. yeah, you are a true Star Wars fan. 100%. Through and through. through Absolutely. And, through. and uh, you know, another movie we were talking about uh, before the show, one that you watched over and over as a kid going back uh, many, many years, uh, you know, it kind of has a Shakespearean element to it. And I think Star Wars has a lot of Shakespearean qualities to it as well, but this is one that's more directly related to Hamlet. Uh, so what, what's this a little animated movie that, uh, that you were talking about that's one of your just all-time faves? Kimba the White Lion. Kimba the White Lion? No, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, the Lion King, obviously. Which was inspired by Kimba the White Lion, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Growing up, I, I was like, it was my favorite movie. I watched it, like, legit, like, probably like three or four or five times a day. My mom was like, you need... Like, stop watching this. Okay, we got to get you something else. Go play outside. Uh, and then we'd go to the like, local, it was a, it wasn't block, it was called Backstage Videos. It was a local video rental place. And we, which was like, all right, you can go pick out a movie. And lo and behold, I'd come back with Kimba, The White Line, which is the exact same plot, same story. Just like, a, a, I don't know if it's like a, like a Japanese art style yeah. is what it is, but same story, like everything's, it's, mom's like, oh my gosh, like, tell you go get a new movie and you get the exact same one. <laughs> so you weren't at that point broadening your horizons that much. It was very much baby steps for you. Absolutely, so, yeah. 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 Well, listen. Let's stick to what you know. And listen, now, 20 years later, you're watching Cool Hand Luke and Good, Bad, the Ugly. So it yeah. took you a while, but, but you got here. But I'm getting and, there. Uh, I got yeah. there, yes. Yeah, so we're proud of the character development that you've had. Thank you. Film. Thank you. I'm glad I, I truly enlightened your day. That's what yeah. I do best. Well, you know, Buzz, it really has been a privilege having you here on Me Being the Movies. And uh, before we run out of time, there's one thing I want to get you to mention. And uh, something that we share a passion for, uh, talking about movies that... You know, film projects that were scrapped at various points in production, you know, projects that never came to be that would have been incredible had they come to fruition. And there's one in particular that it pains us to our core to this day that this film never happened. Yeah. And uh, so I'll let you take it away. What movie are you talking about here? It is the Nick Cage canceled Superman movie. Devastating that that didn't happen. Devastating. The man named his son Kal-El 
whatever cage because he's like loves Superman. It was like was it Tim Burton? Yeah, Tim Burton was going to direct it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Robert Richardson was going to be the cinematographer and actually wanted to drop Nicolas Cage out of an airplane to get (laughs) the most realistic (laughs) flying call on film ever. Uh, I heard that in an interview a few years ago with Richardson. Uh, So yeah, the fact that we still haven't seen that uh, come to light um, is still something that keeps us up at night. So, but if anybody can do it, James Gunn is now in charge of all like the DC projects, and I think, I think they can make it happen. So you're saying there's a chance. You're yeah, telling yeah, me there's a chance, yeah, yeah. Dumb and Dumber. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think if anybody can make it happen, it's got to be James Gunn. Like, super weird, creative guy could be like, what if we had, like, a, a, a multiverse? Just All we need is, like, 30 seconds of him just, like, standing there, wind blowing in his hair, and just saying, I'm Superman. And then, boom, that's all we need. That's all we need. That's it. That's <laughs> Well, once again, uh, we really want to thank you all for joining us here on this uh, interesting episode on Me Me in the Movies. I am Noel Thomas May III, joined by Austin Buzzard, uh, also known as Buzz. Buzz. Filling in for Noel Manning here. We'll have Noel back next week. But we want to leave you with a quote for the week here on Me Me in the Movies. This is from Nicolas Cage in the film National Treasure in 2004. Uh, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. That's a wrap here for me in the movies. Thanks so much for joining. We'll see you next week.